Today we finish our study of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And I want to remind you each time that this is the only book in the Bible God promises to bless those who study it, those who teach it, those who study it. You listen to, the, uh, to this series and share it with your friends, and God will richly bless you. Let's quickly review the seven churches. We started with Ephesus. They were a, a church of good works, but they lost their first love. And we should learn from that, that God is more interested in the intent of our heart than the work of our hands. You can work with your hands and give of your money and not have the right heart. So beware. The second church was Smyrna. It was an unbelievably persecuted church. And there was no commendation to them. He just blessed them for their faith as they went through trials and turmoil. And that's the kind of people we want to be. Because trials will come our way. But we don't want them to get us down and cause us to lose our our faith in God. The third church was Pergamos, and Pergamos had adopted the doctrine of Baal, and Baal was just a mercenary prophet. He was more interested in power and possessions than what he revealed of God to the people, and we have to be careful the motive for what we do. And then the next church is Thyatira, and they had that woman Jezebel. I always laugh to think you never hear of even a dog named Jezebel. And she was allowed to teach in the church. And they never even checked out her character or her background. And so we learned that you be careful who you listen to. You be careful who you follow. And then we have the church in Sardis. And we found that um, they had forgotten what they learned. They turned from what they knew. And he said there were some there that had not turned from what they knew. But he warned them that he would blot out his name out of the book of life. Uh, he that overcomes, he will not blot out, I'm sorry, their name out of the book of life. So we learn from this church that there's a book of life. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, your name is written in that book. And it will never be blotted out, no matter what you do. And now we come to Philadelphia. That's the second church that there's no condemnation to. They also were a persecuted church. I think it's interesting that the active churches were the ones that had condemnation brought upon them by God the ones that were struggling to survive through persecution, they didn't have any, any condemnation to them. And so finally, we come to the last church, which is the church of Laodicea. And many scholars that I admire and trust in their, their work have said that this church represents the church that will exist just before the end of the church age. The church of Laodicea. And it's introduced by Jesus being the Amen. You know what Amen means? It means so be it. That's why when you end your prayer, you say Amen. So be it, God. I'll lay this out before you. 
He lays this all out before us. So be it. He warns us at the end of this book not to add to this book and not to take away from this book. Or the plagues in this book will be brought upon you. And so he calls himself the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And as he ends these, this letter to these seven churches, he reminds us where this all began. It all began with creation. God created the heavens and the earth. The word create in the Hebrew means made something out of nothing. God created man out of the dust of the ground. God created everything that exists. It's much easier to believe in creation than it is the Big Bang theory or the theory of evolution. If we've been evolving, the process stopped because we haven't evolved any in the last thousand years. He said, I know your works. I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. The church in Laodicea was lukewarm. And I risk being critical, but I see a lot of churches today that are lukewarm. They want to present a message that will reach everyone without any conviction. If people are convicted, they may not feel good and they won't come back. They don't want to preach a sermon that might cause someone to quit giving. They're lukewarm. And guess what happens to Jesus when your church is lukewarm? It makes him vomit. That word is not in the Bible, and that's a harsh word. But it says, because you are lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. He will get rid of a church that's lukewarm. Because you say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, the church at Laodicea based their value on nothing. Because to be lukewarm is nothing. It's not healthy. It's not helpful. It's not harmful. It's absolutely nothing. But they considered themselves to be rich when they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then in the next verse, he said, I counseled you. I urged you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. What God gives us and what we get from God makes us rich. What he does through us on earth makes us rich. It's his using the talents and gifts and abilities that he gave to us when we were born. And white raiment that speaks of the robe of righteousness, we're all clothed in the white robe of righteousness before the eyes of God. 
That's an incredible thought to me, that when God looks down and sees me, He doesn't see me in my sinful state. He sees me in His Son. And then He says that you may be clothed and let the shame of your nakedness not appear. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. There was an eye salve developed in Laodicea that that helped people with their eyesight. And then he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Chasten means teach. Rebuke means to point out where you're wrong. And I always find that people want to hear the good news of the gospel until it starts bringing conviction to their heart. And nobody wants anybody to tell them what they're doing wrong. But you must remember, when God brings conviction into your life, it's only because He loves you. There's no different in a parent correcting a child and rebuking the child when he's wrong. Children that are left to themselves, never chastened, never taught, never disciplined, never rebuked, never corrected, grow up to be worthless human beings because they cannot abide under any authority. They cannot tolerate any discipline. They will not allow anybody to tell them what to do. And God will not allow us to grow in our faith to be useless. He said, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Change your mind. Don't be lukewarm, nothing believers. And then the verse 20 in chapter 3 is a verse used for salvation for many people. But he's saying, Behold, I stand at the door. He's outside the door of the lukewarm church. He's knocking. He wants to come in and take over. If you've ever seen a stained glass window with Jesus knocking at the door, you should notice there's no outside doorknob. There's no way to open the door. The door must be opened from the inside. And just as he stands at this church, he stands at the door of the heart of the lost, and he wants to come in. But we must invite him to come in because he is a gentleman and he will not invade our privacy. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If, that means we have a choice. I don't understand people that don't think we have a choice when the word if is found so many places in the Bible. If we didn't have a choice, there would be no need for that word. If any man hear my voice, you have to hear. But if you hear and then you open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I heard a message many, many, many years ago that touched my heart on this one verse, and I've never forgotten it because it so described me. When I invited Christ to come into my life, I got so involved in everything Christians did, every Bible study, every sharing group, every evangelical luncheon. I was working myself to death to be the best Christian I could be. And I heard someone say, 
This verse means when you first become a believer, he, he will sup. He sups with us. When someone comes to my house, I do all the work. You come and sit down and enjoy the fruit of my labor. But when I go to your house, I just get dressed and go enjoy the work of your labor. And that's the way we Christians are at first. We're working, working, working. And that's the theme of a lot of these churches. You're doers. And he wants you to be a beer. He wants you to let him work in and through you. And that is rest. I don't have to get up every day and plot and plan what I'm going to do and make a list. I need to get up every day and say, Lord, you take charge of my life. You bring across my path the things you want me to get involved in today. And sometimes I get up and I have nothing to do all day. And by 9.30, I have appointments, engagements, with no time to spare. I get phone calls from people that say, oh, please, can I come over and talk to you? Oh, please, can I bring my child over? I don't know what to do with them. They're bad. And I get a lot of bad children. And I love it because I keep candy for them. And they come in and they eat chocolate. And I sit with them on my sofa. And I just talk with them. And I'm not interrupted with a phone call or anything else in my house. And I have found that undivided attention to people is what people need. And so, as we conclude the letters to these churches, I encourage you, quit trying to please God and start trusting God to lead you and guide you and give you His peace and give you His rest. And then to conclude, he says, To them that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Can you believe that? Remember we read who overcomes in 1 John? Those that are born of the Spirit of God. His concluding promise to us in this section of Revelation, You will sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne. And once again, let me remind you that that's the hope we have of our future. As we look into a dark world, we can feel hopeless. But if we look into the light of the Word of God, we can only be excited because maybe as things get darker here, the light of the truth will shine brighter in our hearts. And to conclude, he said, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. God bless you for listening. Remember to share and be blessed by God. Thank you.